So taking these few moments to pause. And again, letting go of whatever we were doing just before we arrived here. And consciously bring the awareness into the body. That felt sense of the body sitting. Settling in and coming to stillness. Not rushing, not hurrying. But taking these few moments just to arrive here. In the body. in this moment, now. And as we pause and come home to the body, We can bring awareness to what's present, what's alive in the body right now. Perhaps as a particular physical sensation in a particular part of the body. Or more an overall sense of the body's energy. Perhaps Just that simple knowing that there is the body, the body sitting. How do you know that? Each of us will have our own way of connecting with the body. But each time we pause, we invite awareness to return to that simple knowing of our embodied experience. Coming home to the body. The body sitting. The body breathing. And this sense of home being a place where we can relax and feel at ease. Often though, when we attend to this body with a simple, kind attention, we find places where there's not so much ease. Some form of tension or tightness, contraction, gripping or clinging, some form of dis-ease.
And instead of our usual habitual reaction to resist that unease, we can orient instead to the guideline of relax. To see if any of that tension, holding, tightness or clinging can be released. Relax. Release. Allow. Accept. And just see if at least in moments you can experience some degree of release, of ease. So as I shift modes slightly now to give you a little more cognitive information, the invitation is still to stay steady and present with the body, to maintain awareness of your embodied experience as you listen, and whenever necessary, reorienting to relaxation, to ease, to receptivity. So approaching the Dharma talk not so much as some intellectual stimulation at the end of the day, but an opportunity to practice, to continue practicing with the guidelines of pause and relax, which themselves are aspects of mindfulness. And as we've been emphasizing, mindfulness is the foundation of both our silent and our relational practice. Now all of you here are experienced meditators. So all of you are familiar with this term mindfulness. And these days, even people who are not meditators are likely to have heard of this word because it is so mainstream. Just to give you one simple example of how mainstream mindfulness has become, a few months ago the US toy company Mattel launched a mindful Barbie doll and this mindful Barbie now has joints in her legs so that she can sit in the lotus position. And she has a magic necklace that when you press it, it plays guided meditations to inspire self-care. So while what we're doing here may have an aspect of self-care, I'm pretty confident that we're doing a bit more than Barbie mindfulness. Self-care is not the whole goal. So given that mindfulness is so mainstream, I'd like to take a little bit of time now just to explore what does mindfulness mean in this context? Because it can be easy to take it for granted 
to assume, yeah, we know what it means, even disconnect a bit, yep, mindfulness, got it, okay, what's next? In fact, on a longer retreat that I was teaching at IMS in the US a few years ago, about halfway through, somebody wrote a note to the teachers complaining that we talked so much about mindfulness and they wanted to know when were we were when were we going to give them the higher teachings. So they were pretty disappointed to discover that the mindfulness instructions are the higher teachings. Mindfulness in the beginning, the middle, the end. So again, all of you here are experienced meditators, but perhaps not all of you are familiar with the Buddhist discourse on mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta, which really lays out this gradual path of training, bringing us into deeper and deeper, more and more refined levels of mindfulness. And this Satipatthana Sutta, the four establishments of mindfulness, is really the key text, the key discourse for all types of insight practice, including silent insight and relational insight. And in this gradual path of training, we start with aspects of experience that are relatively easy to pay attention to, such as the body, as we have been doing today. And then we begin to open up to include more subtle and fleeting and intangible experiences such as thoughts and emotions, moods and mind states. And as our mindfulness gets stronger, steadier, more stable, no aspect of experience whatsoever is left out of the field of our mindfulness. So mindfulness is the usual English translation of the Pali word sati. And this word sati literally means to remember. But it's to remember to be aware of what's happening now in the present moment rather than the past. So on one level, mindfulness is quite simple. But as we'll be exploring over these next few days, there are many subtleties and nuances to it that will come alive as we explore them more fully. For now, I'd like to share just a few of my favorite definitions of mindfulness by some contemporary meditation teachers, just to highlight some of the different flavors of what mindfulness is. So Gil Fronsdal defines it as the cultivation of clear, stable, and non-judgmental awareness. Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein say, mindfulness means being aware of of what is going on as it actually arises, not being lost in our conclusions or judgments about it, our fantasies of what it means, our hopes, our fears, our aversion. Rather, Mindfulness helps us see nakedly and directly this is what is happening right now. So notice that in that phrase, seeing nakedly and directly, that there's a flavor of intimacy there. 
And I want to highlight that because sometimes people misunderstand mindfulness to be about somehow separating or disconnecting from experience, becoming distant from it. But true mindfulness has this quality of getting closer to experience, becoming more intimate with the full spectrum of experience, not picking and choosing. So one further definition of mindfulness, this one is from the German scholar-monk Bhikkhu Analio, who some of you have practiced with when he was in Australia last year. He's written quite a well-known book, Satipatthana, The Direct Path to Realization. And I've assisted Bhikkhu Analio on some retreats, and I know he speaks about 13 different languages so in addition to English and German and various European languages, he also translates the texts from Pali and Sanskrit into Chinese and Tibetan. So I mention that because in spite of his vast understanding of the Buddha's teachings and the Satipatthana Sutta in particular, he defines mindfulness in terms of four words, keep calmly knowing change. Keep calmly knowing change. And he even abbreviates that to just four letters. KC, KC. Keep calmly knowing change. So that's all we have to do this week. Keep calmly knowing change. And out of that, insight naturally arises. So just coming back to this definition, translation of sati from its original association with remembering. Another word for remembering is recollecting, recollecting or recollecting, gathering our attention. So in this sense, sati or mindfulness is about bringing the mind back from its habitual scatteredness, distractedness, to a state of more completeness, collectedness, gatheredness. So this is the full part of mindfulness. So for example, in relation to mindfulness of breathing, the English monk Ajahn Suchito talks about letting the breath fill the mind so that there's no room for anything else. And I wanted to highlight the fullness aspect of mindfulness because I think it's often overlooked. When we're fully and completely present with our experience, we might recognize a subtle pleasantness to the experience of being mindful. Energetically, it feels more refreshing, more nourishing, than when we're lost in thought, distracted, scattered, spaced out, disconnected. And strangely enough, even when what we're experiencing is unpleasant, if mindfulness is present, there can still be that subtle pleasantness. Because the part of the mind that's aware is just aware, and it's not affected by what it experiences. So over the course of this week, I encourage you just to see if you can tune in to this quality of mindfulness and see if there is at times a subtle flavor of 
pleasantness. And doing this can act as a positive feedback loop because when something is pleasant, the mind will naturally want to orient to mindfulness instead of to distraction. So mindfulness is about remembering to be fully present with whatever we're experiencing in the moment and to know what we're doing as we're doing it and to know that we know. And this is another aspect of mindfulness that is often overlooked. It's what we call the clear comprehension aspect of mindfulness. And again, clear comprehension is the translation of another key term in the Pali discourses. That term is sampajano, usually translated as clear comprehension. But it means being aware of the context of what we're doing so that our actions are appropriate. And again, I want to highlight this because sometimes in some settings, mindfulness is simplified into a kind of passive just be with experience. So in my own experience, a few years ago, I did a mindfulness training in a different setting and the instructor just kept saying, well, just be with it. If you're feeling sad, just be with sadness. Just be sad, be sad, be sad. Don't, don't try to change it, just be with sadness. And that's an initial aspect of mindfulness. But mindfulness alone is not enough. As the Burmese monk Sado Utejaniya has a book by that name, booklet. Because the Sampajano part of mindfulness means that there's a discerning aspect to it. We want to recognize whether what we're experiencing is beneficial or unbeneficial. And we want to understand how to skillfully reorient that experience in the direction of non-clinging, towards ease, towards freedom. And this is how mindfulness supports and is supported by wisdom, the wisdom that leads to insight. So this distinction between sati, mindfulness, and sampajano, clear seeing, is quite subtle. And because they do work together so closely, it's not always easy to tease them apart. So to give an example that Gil Fronstall uses, he says, you know, if we're out driving and we're approaching an intersection, mindfulness might recognize that there's a light on a pole at the edge of the intersection. Mindfulness might recognize that the light is round, it's bright, and it's colored red. So mindfulness allows us to be acutely aware of the details of that visual experience. But it's sampajano, clear comprehension, that knows the appropriate response, that when the light turns red, we need to stop the car. So translating this understanding of sati and sampajano into our meditation practice, we were actually working with these two factors this afternoon whether you framed it that way or not, when we were exploring pause and relax. Mindfulness in the pause allows the bare recognition of physical tension in the body. And clear comprehension was the orientation to relax. 
rooted in the discernment that releasing bodily tension supports the release of mental tension too. And this release of minor suffering leads to more ease, more well-being, not just for its own sake, but as a support for seeing clearly and deeply. So mindfulness is a tool that helps us to develop wisdom. As I defined it earlier, this wisdom understands how to change our habitual ways of reacting into ways that are more skillful and lead to ease, happiness, freedom. And mindfulness is the first step in that whole chain reaction. So rather than talking about mindfulness anymore, I'd like to invite us to explore it pretty directly in our own experience. And I'd like to do this working together in pairs again. So in a moment we're going to move into the breakout rooms. And I'm going to offer you quite what for some of you might be quite a subtle or challenging exploration. So you're going to be paying attention very directly to the quality of mindfulness itself. Now usually most of our attention goes on to what we're mindful of. I'm mindful of some pain in my knee. I'm mindful of an ache in my back. I'm mindful of a slightly dull energy in the mind, that kind of thing. But here you're invited to bring mindfulness to the mindfulness itself. And to explore how do you know when you're mindful? How do you know when mindfulness is present? How does it feel in the body, the heart, the mind? If you can't name or articulate that, you might be able to recognize at least what mindfulness, what, what it's like when mindfulness is absent. So you're just exploring the presence or absence of mindfulness and how that affects the body, the heart, the mind. So for example, if I was contemplating this with Beth, I'll just try it myself. I like to be a guinea pig, so I'm not inflicting too much suffering on you. But as I tune into, how do I know if I'm mindful now? first thing I'm aware of is a kind of buzzing in the head and I'm aware that I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking about the word mindfulness. It feels sort of intellectual. But now I name that. I can feel a bit more steadiness. And now it feels like the energy, the mindfulness is a little further down the body. There's this feeling of sort of gathering. Before my attention was more out here, but now it feels to be, I'm doing this with my hands because it feels like it's coming together. 
So that's how I might explore it. I'm going to invite Beth to do a similar exercise just so you can get a sense of it doesn't have to look or sound one way.